Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 175, and it's titled How to Skyrocket the Passion in Your Relationship. I think pretty much everybody wants to skyrocket the passion in their relationship. So, you know, this should appeal to pretty much everyone. But we also have a special guest on the show today. And while she does primarily write to women in the stuff that she writes, if you're a man and you're listening to this, I highly recommend that you stick around and you listen to this because you're going to be getting basically like the playbook from the other team here. And if you, <laughs> you want to understand what's really going on and, and how to work with that, you, you really need to listen to this. And so it's interesting because I was talking to Celine in preparing for this, I was going through one of our guests' books. And I said, you know, I know this book is written for women. I'm like, but I think it's awesome. I'm like, I love reading this and understanding like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it, right? Like, if you're, if you're a guy and you're only reading about guy stuff, or you're a woman and you're only reading about women's stuff, you are actually missing the other half of the picture. So it's a good idea. And you don't even, it's not, I'm not saying you got to read every woman's book out there, but you might, <laughs> there's a couple you might want to peruse if you're a guy. So anyway, all of that just to say, I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation and both men and women, you should really hang in there and listen to this one. So before we introduce our guest, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. If you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. Our guest today is Laura Doyle. So she is a New York Times bestselling author and she was the perfect wife until she actually got married. <laughs> when she told her husband how to be tidier, more romantic, more ambition, he avoided her. Fancy that. So she dragged him to marriage counseling and nearly divorced him. In desperation, she asked happily married women for their secrets. And that's when she got her miracle. The man who had wooed her returned. Laura's books have been translated into 19 languages in 30 countries and accidentally started a worldwide movement. Welcome, Laura, to the Love Lab podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. I, I love that accidentally started a worldwide movement. You know what that means? That means that, that there was a movement just waiting for somebody to catalyze it and, and get it moving. So that means this message speaks to a lot of people. It, it does. It, it's still, I'm still astonished really by the response to it. I just wanted to fix my own marriage. I was just trying to not get divorced. And um, we are celebrating now this year, our 20th anniversary of uh, empowering women to have ridiculously happy marriages. Uh, and it's bigger than ever, this movement. So it's been really uh, gratifying, been a wonderful ride, kind of scary at times, but uh, yeah, who knew that was going to happen? <laughs> Okay, so let's dive right in with our questions. There's a couple of things like we just sort of have to get them out of the way from the start because I think they're fundamentally essential to the conversation, yet in today's culture and society, nobody wants to talk about them. So let's just talk about them because that's, that's what we do when you're not supposed to talk about something. <laughs> Love it, Kevin. Love it. Okay, so number one, you actually have a chapter in your book, The Empowered Wife, called you are not smaller, less hairy men. <laughs> and so this is one of those things we have to get out of the way. So I, had, I read that part of the book, so I know what you mean. But I'm wondering if you could help the audience explain what you mean by that. Yeah, it, it is kind of taboo, isn't it, to say that men and women are different, that we have, uh, it's not it's just beyond shoe size or, uh, you know, the parts of our body that grow hair or something. Um, but I, I do think we're we're fundamentally different. I think that women bring certain gifts to the relationship and to the world that the relationship and the world need. And, and that goes missing, um, then so much is lost. And I think, I know for me, I was... 
I was trying to be a smaller, less hairy man. And I thought that I could do that. But really, deep down, I had no idea how to be a man. And so um, that really contributed to um, a feeling of exhaustion, really. And um, I, I also think that it, it it definitely cost me both in my relationship and at work to not uh, play to my strengths. So, uh, so, yeah, so there's a little bit of an extra. So I think I'm diving right into, hey, men and women are different. We want different things. Sometimes I'll say yin and yang because I think people are a little more comfortable, like, oh, the concept of the masculine energy versus the feminine energy. And one of my favorite metaphors for that is about this uh, the coffee cup idea, which is if you think about a coffee cup, the ceramic part, the handle and the form of the coffee cup would be the masculine energy, the part that has the structure. And then the yin would be the part that can receive the coffee. And without the ability to receive coffee, a coffee cup has no purpose. And so it's a really important role uh, to be receptive, to bring that feminine energy, which is what men are fundamentally most attracted to. Oh, they certainly are. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. So I wanted to leave with that question because the idea, you know, we use the term polarity a lot in our teaching. And it's something that, you know, was kind of near and dear to our hearts. One, because we have seen it work so many times. When you correct the polarity in a relationship, the relationship itself corrects. And one of the things that I see in our politically correct society now is they're trying to erase the differences between men and women. And, you know, I get the original origin of that. The original origin in in a couple phases back in the feminist movement was to show that, hey, women are not inferior to men. I get it. Totally get it. Absolutely. But now it's gone too far and it's gotten to the point where there's no difference between men and women. And honestly, that does a disservice to both men and women because women are different, but they're different in beautiful ways that work synergistically with men. And so when we try to cram them all into the same mold, relationships basically break down. You're here. (laughs) 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 Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And it is a little frustrating because of what is lost, right? If you try to collapse it all and say, I love the word polarity, right? Instead, I call it gender contrast. The higher that gender contrast is, um, the more exciting it is, the more exhilarating it is, the more there is to really appreciate about what the other person is bringing in the relationship. And I love the point that you brought earlier when you said that you were close to exhaustion. And I think this is a really important sign for all the women listening. And, you know, even I know from my personal experience, anytime at the end of the day that I'm exhausted, it means I spent my day in the wrong energy <laughs> for me, which would be most of the time my masculine energy. You know, I spend too much time. It's okay to step into it, to get a few things done for something. I've actually learned over the years that I can get shit done by staying feminine. <laughs> and yes. so I think this is really important. Uh, but that sign, like if you feel exhausted, if you feel depleted, if you feel like you've got too much on your to-do list, you are on the wrong side of the spectrum for yourself as as a woman. It is That is a great measure of it. Um, I, I have found too, especially in my early marriage before I knew a lot of the things that I've learned um, from trying to fix my own marriage, that um, I would get exhausted because I was trying to control things. I was trying to, uh, which is kind of based in fear, right? If you're not afraid, you don't have to try to control. Like I wouldn't have to try to tell my husband like, hey, maybe you should get a better job or why don't you see if you can get a raise or uh, maybe you can get a promotion, right? I was trying to control because I was afraid. I was afraid I wasn't going to have enough uh, money. Like I'd have to go without something that I wanted. And uh, so that was also an entirely exhausting thing. It's like, uh, it's like being stuck in traffic, right? You can try to make the traffic move, you know, but it doesn't work. Uh, or you can just use that time to talk on the phone, listen to music that you love, an audio book. Uh, and I call that surrendering, right? I think surrendering is a really powerful concept that is the opposite of this exhaustion that you talk about. And it's true. It's like control energy or maybe, yeah, just kind of out of your lane energy, right? Trying to do things in a way that isn't suited to your natural abilities. Yeah. And I think that's the key is, is 
trying to do things in a way that suits your natural ability. So for instance, like as a guy, our natural ability is to just like, like a bull kind of ram our heads into stuff and like, just make it happen. We're going to make it happen. Right. But for women, they can do that when they have to, but if they get stuck in that, they're fighting against their natural energy because their natural energy is to very subtly and very easily get us to do stuff for them and then have us actually enjoy doing it. Like, this is the thing I always say is that that women's true power really lies in the way that they can get things done without actually doing them themselves. (laughs) It's beautiful. I'm telling you, if I could do that a lot, I would. (laughs) It's the most fun too, isn't it, Celine? Like, it's so satisfying. I think it was Roseanne that said, um, anything a man can do, a woman can get another man to do it even better than that man. (laughs) (laughs) I love that joke, but it is so, it's a huge, you miss out on so much when you don't know how to receive that graciously if you're thinking if your training was like mine certainly was you got to be independent you don't want to have to depend on a man Mm -hmm. you've got to pull your own weight and uh, prove that you have worth uh then i i just think about like now when i go on an airplane i'm i just i'll like maybe i'll start to like kind of lamely you know try to put my luggage in the overhead compartment and a man is always there to say would you like me to help with that I'm like oh thank you so much and he's like yes you know he's happy to do it I'm so happy I didn't have to do it it's win-win we're both like oh this is great you know <laughs> he got the gift of um being my hero in that moment right mm-hmm. and then and and that it certainly translates into my marriage my husband gets to kill scary spiders for me lift heavy things I mean there's so many opportunities he makes my tea I mean he does a lot of things to delight me yeah. And uh, it's the only way to live, right? I mean, we, as oh, men, yes. we love to be heroes. If as long as you give us the opportunity, we would love to do it. Okay, that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> but <laughs> I wanna, I wanna, there's one more question that I want to ask to sort of, you know, sort of get something out of the way, and then we can dive a little deeper into some of these concepts. So, another thing that you say in your book is that marriage counseling does more harm than good. So, my question is, why is that? And what should people do instead? Oh, it, yeah. And so first of all, I have to say my own experience in marriage counseling really colors this. We went for over a year. We spent over $9,000. And this is over 20 years ago. And um, I was on the marriage counselor's gray couch when I thought, this is hopeless. He's never going to change. I'm going to have to get divorced or else I'm going to spend the rest of my life in a loveless relationship. And uh, so I made up my mind that I was going to just bite the bullet and get divorced and admit that I'd made a terrible mistake. And there was just one problem. And that is that um, I was too embarrassed to get divorced. I didn't want that loss of status. And I'm so glad now, because as a last ditch effort, I decided I would ask women who had happy marriages, what their secrets were. And they told me things and I didn't really even understand. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't what had been modeled for me. Well, my parents are divorced. I was following a failed recipe and I was about to get the same results. So, but I was desperate enough to just start experimenting with their ideas. And I remember it was not even that long after I started um, that I came through the door and my husband's face lit up. He was happy to see me again. And I thought, oh, this is working. And it was a lot of it was the opposite of what we talked about in marriage counseling. And, and now having helped tens of thousands of students um, not only make their marriages last, but make them thrive, we see that so many of them have also come through marriage counseling and had a kind of a disastrous experience. And I think there's a couple of reasons. I know that marriage counselors mean well. They got into the business to help, not to harm. But unfortunately, I think the structure is kind of a bad setup. I I know one of the first things that you typically do in marriage counseling is you sit together and you talk about what's wrong. You focus on what's wrong. And you also, I know uh, one of the things we did was, so I would tell the counselor everything my husband was doing wrong. (laughs) And, And since respect is one of the most important things for, for husbands, for men, I was doing this horribly disrespectful thing, telling a stranger all my complaints and criticisms about my husband. I was digging my hole deeper. I wasn't making it better. Uh, so then I just remember we'd have big fights in the car on the way home from counseling. And I thought, 
I don't think we're making any progress here. And we weren't. <laughs> so and we're not the only ones. I hear it again and again uh, from my students' stories. So I think that's one of the, the reasons there's, I thought there's got to be something better. And so it's not that you don't need support uh, when your marriage is hurting. And uh, you certainly don't need somebody to tell you, um, you know, just get divorced or you should leave him. Right. I think that's a very common response that we see. So, um, so, you know, I've, I've created a, a, a campus with programs where they're all, all the women that join are standing for the other wives' greatness as women, as wives, and also for their husbands, right? Knowing she wouldn't have married him if he wasn't a great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's forgotten. There's other, he's got flaws too, right? He's a mere mortal man. Um, but we're there to um, really stand for each other and remind her of the things, the reasons that she did marry him. And really just that uh, change of focus, that change of perspectives, if you will, um, deciding to focus on the things that you like instead of the things that you don't like can make a huge difference in the experience that you're having. Oh, yeah. And we're going to come back to that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We've got a couple questions around that. Okay, cool. Please continue. Well, I wanted to, to ask Laura something because, okay, so if you are listening and you're a woman and you're like, yeah, this is me. I want to change my man. He's not doing the right thing and stuff. I want to say like, honestly, Get the book, The Empowered Wife. It's like a Bible. And or sign up for any of Laura's program, coaching, anything like this to get the support you need. Or work with us, with me, what, whoever you resonate with. It doesn't matter. Uh, but really like do something and know that there's so much that you can do. What I see is that there are a lot of resources now out there for women, uh, groups and, and, and books but I don't see as much for the men. Where and and that's just kind of where the question is coming from is like, okay, so now what do we do for our men listeners? Like, let's say that he's like, I want to bring forth change in the relationship. Now we all know that we women make the biggest difference. And ideally, it should be her taking the initiative and doing those changes. Realistically, I mean, happy wife, happy life, we all know about that. But what can a husband, a man do, uh, in your opinion, if his wife is not yet doing the thing and he's really like, I don't, does he just buy the book and leave it on the coffee table? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. good idea. (laughs) I I mean, I love this question because it's something I've certainly wrestled with quite a bit too because... Um, as you point to, women really are the keepers of the relationship. It's back to that coffee cup analogy. If she, if, the, if there's no place to put the coffee, then the man has no purpose, right? And there's not much he can do about that if she's not going to be receptive. She holds the key in that regard. However, um, one thing I will say is um, I, I'm thinking of a coach on my campus in particular, and all of our coaches um, became coaches because they were struggling in their marriages and they decided to use the six intimacy skills and uh, implement a transformation. And, and now, and then now they pass it on to other women. And she was talking about how her husband uh, bought her my first book, which has a really offensive title. It's called the surrendered wife. So are you (laughs) kidding me? You want me to surrender? Like, okay. Especially it just feels so unfair. I think uh, to most women, when you're struggling, you just think that he's doing so many things wrong. And if only he would change, then I could be happy. Uh, that was why I dragged my husband to counseling. Because that's that's why that was going to happen. The counselor was going to fix him. And <laughs> I could finally be happy. I'm pretty sure that's how it works, right? So, uh, And it doesn't work that way. So she... He bought her The Surrender Wife and he had read it. And he said, I think, you know, I, I, I would love for you to read this. And she was like, no, I'm not going to read that. That's ridiculous. And then uh, on a really bad day, uh, when she was feeling like her marriage, maybe she was going to end her marriage, she, she took her baby and she took the book and got on a train and she read the book. Um, just kind of out of that heartbreak, out of that, like, wow, am I really... Uh, at the edge here is this really the part where I I break up my family and uh, she she said you know her heart softened she became more open to the concepts and she felt like she understood some of the things her husband had been trying to tell her uh, for a long time but didn't didn't they didn't resonate in the right way so I do think it's powerful if um, if he can find a way to broach you know here's a book that says 
what, you know, what I want you to know about how much I want to make you happy or um, how, yeah, how important it is to me um, that you, you know, that you feel uh, loved and adored and um, special. I want to give you all that. Something like, something along those lines. Uh, I think that's really probably the most impactful change he can make is creating that opening has to be done very sensitively, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure does. Yeah, you might be eating that book well. for dinner. Exactly. <laughs> it can really. But you have to have it surgically removed later or something, right. right? Yeah, it'd be bad. It'd be bad. Well, luckily, the book now is titled "The Empowered Wife," so that will it's a different book. Yeah, that will be book. like yeah. a little bit more digestible for her. Like, I want to be empowered. <laughs> Not yes. surrendered. <laughs> yes. That's been wow. a big difference. Yes. Is <laughs> inviting women to become empowered and surrendered sounds like submissive. I think to people, they think it's or, or doormat or something. And of course it's not that it's more like the thing where you're stuck in traffic, right? You're just deciding, knowing that you can't change anyone besides yourself. So you mm-hmm. don't try, you just focus on your own happiness. And that in turn improves the intimacy and the connection. Uh, and it, and you become empowered because uh, through that uh, process of uh, really it's accountability. Yes, the, the the sort of funny joke about it is is that once you become empowered, you realize that the way you became empowered as a woman was by surrendering. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's the that's, that's one true. of the great paradoxes, isn't it? And one of the great um, mysteries about marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have one more question that is sort of around that, like, how do guys do something? Which is that, you know, one of the things, in fact, I have a client right now that I'm working with who's been asking this question a lot too, which is, you know, he's trying his best to create change in the relationship. But, you know, when he, basically he doesn't know what to do. And when he asks her what it is that she wants, she gives the usual, I don't know. So the question is, is a husband and wife, they are struggling in their relationship and he wants to do something about it, but she doesn't know what she really needs in a relationship. How can he possibly help her to understand what it is that she needs? Mm. This is, um, that is a million dollar question. That is really (laughs) hitting them right on the, on the head because I have a totally embarrassing story about myself early on in our relationship my husband um took me to hawaii we're still boyfriend and girlfriend took me to hawaii and um it was like super super romantic getaway i was really excited and i thought how fun is it going to be on the first day because we're going to go to the beach because i would just love to go to the beach and um but instead of saying i would love to go to the beach I said, um, well, what do you, well, you know, what, what did you want to do? Because I didn't want to have any conflict or anything. And he said, well, let's go see a volcano. I'm laughing. I'm like, a volcano. Like, <laughs> oh, all right. I didn't want to do that at all. But I thought, okay, I'm just going to suck it up because I don't want to fight about it. You know, so we'll just go see a volcano. <laughs> so we're driving in the car and there's no volcano for a while. You just see like little molten rocks on the side of the road. And um, so I started getting upset. I was like, you know. I was like, this is not really what I wanted to do. And he he said, you know, is is something wrong? And that's when I said, (laughs) did you think this was going to be fun? Because I don't think it's fun. It's stupid. You didn't even ask for that. It's stupid. (laughs) So he saw a volcano. All right. Right. Not the kind that he had in mind. And I just feel so sad for that earlier version of me who uh, just had no concept how to say what she wanted. And if you can't say what you want, you're never going to get what you want. And a lot of times it is even like you're saying, Kevin, we don't even know what we want. We haven't asked ourselves or uh, I had, a, it's something come up not, not so long ago. I've been at this for 20 years. You'd think I'd be better at it by now, but I have always wanted to have a pool. I really just wanted a pool and we don't have any kids or anything. So I was like, oh, it'd be great if we had kids. I could say, you know, the kids need a pool. But no, I just wanted a pool. And it was just really hard for me to own that. I felt kind of guilty. It feels kind of frivolous. Uh, but I finally just said, you know what? I would love a pool. And, do you know, they just sprayed the concrete on our pool. We're getting a pool. Uh, so it, it's funny how, like, once uh, I desire so much the seat of feminine power, right? This is how we move mountains without moving a muscle, is by expressing our desires in a way that inspires him. And that's a whole training uh, on my campus is how to express your desires in a way that inspires. So I think from a man's point of view, 
um, I think that could really be a thing that he focuses on. He could, you know, he could be really saying, I just want to make you happy. I just love knowing what it is you want. And um, I think sometimes from a woman's perspective, we think it's like demanding. Like I, I remember one student was talking about how her sister-in-law would say like, oh, I want to go to Mexican food, you know? And she was like, oh, kind of pushy. But the husband loved it. He's like, oh, she wants Mexican food. And then they'd get there and she'd say, I want to sit in a booth. And he's like, oh, we'd like a booth. And then he got to be her hero again uh, because he knew what she wanted. So I think, I mean, besides saying, you know, I, I, I really would love to know what you want so that I can make you happy. Um, you know, she holds the key to that one. She's got to be willing to express it. Mm-hmm. Whew, I gave him the right advice, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, because basically, what I told him was the same thing. Was I said it's all in it's all in how you ask, right? And I said basically, what you want to convey to her is that you want to know what she wants so that you can give it to her because you genuinely want to make her happy. That's right. And I think it's it's interesting. I've asked thousands of men um, this question, which Kevin, I have to ask you now because uh, I just well, I just want to hear it out of your mouth, but. Because uh, they've all pretty much said the same thing. No pressure. How important is it to you that Celine is happy? Oh, it's it's like basically number one in the in the relationship. I mean, Thank the, you. is there anything more important than that? I mean, that's that's what thousands of men have told me. Mm-hmm. Every single time I ask, they say it's the most important thing, or it's everything in in the United Kingdom. They say it's imperative. So uh, I get this feeling that men are wired for our happiness to make us happy, which is a wonderful thing. When, but I think a lot of women don't believe it because they aren't feeling happy in their marriages. And it's really because they're unwittingly um, creating other conflicts, um, maybe by not knowing that they're being too helpful, not knowing that they don't know what they want, for example, is mm-hmm. another one, right? Or not knowing how to make themselves happy is another one, very common one. You know, as guys, I mean, basically, most of us get either consciously or at least subconsciously that if she's happy, then that in turn will mean we will be at least more happy, if not happy ourselves, right? Like we kind of intuitively get that, you know, as guys, we're, we're, we're really pretty simple creatures, actually, you know, like, we don't require a whole lot, we don't really need a whole lot, we tend to like, set up our world a certain way and we're like, okay, great, you know, we got it. And and so <laughs> for us, the fact that she's happy fits into that little world that we try to build for ourselves, our little kingdom perfectly. That's what we want. We want to come home to a happy wife. That's like an essential part of the... <laughs> of the kingdom and and is there anything more frustrating than when she's not happy and you can't fix it Mm -hmm. it's kind of the worst right all right so we're going to come back to some of the passion thing here because i think we understand now a lot of dynamics we've cleared out the fact that men and women are indeed different we have a lot of similarities but we are very different too and rather than trying to bridge that gap and like become the same, like the more we can stay in our opposite, the better things are, the better attraction and passion towards one another for sure. So when it comes to increasing the passion in a relationship, where do most people go wrong? (laughs) Well, speaking from my own sad experience, I know one of the things I used to do in the bad old days of my marriage was, um, I just remember my husband would be watching TV. He was probably trying to like escape from his uh, mother, mother, wife, right? Because I was really controlling. And I would go over and stand with my hands on my hips and say, <laughs> the average couple has sex two and a half times per week. And we haven't done it for like two months. So I think we should do it. And he would, <laughs> I thought he was going to jump off the couch and just carry me into the bedroom you know but that never happened so sad right so i thought oh he's just something is wrong with him i know men love sex and he's just not interested what could it be uh, and so it was, yeah it was a pretty sad situation so uh, but i was so i was making a number of, of mistakes there right so one of them was um Gosh, I was just a humorless toothache of a porcupine wife, first of all. But also, um, I think I did a, I did a lot of mothering. Like I would tell, I thought I could improve my husband. And I just didn't realize that, um, you know, 
I mean, it's pretty obvious men are not sexually attracted to their mothers and mothers are not sexually attracted to their little boys either, which is, so that's the roles that I kind of had put us in. So that was a big damper. Um, and then there's also nothing less sexy than your, no offense, moms, but, but then your wife trying to be your mom. Oh gosh. Right. Especially the smother mother, I think is kind of who I was. It was not just even the, I wasn't like a nice mom. I was like, you know, put that away, go sit down, whatever. So anyway, um, that was a huge mistake. And then, um, and I was also, I wasn't very happy. He wasn't feeling successful with making me happy. Um, and then, uh, the third thing, probably maybe even the biggest problem of all was I was unfamiliar with the concept of the best aphrodisiac on the planet for men, mm -hmm. uh, which had totally gone missing in our relationship. And Kevin's nodding. I'm like, oh, you know well, because it, it's one of the questions. <laughs> but as I stated before we started the interview, like if it comes up and it's relevant, go with it. So now <laughs> would be a great time to talk about what that number one aphrodisiac is. It is respect. It's respect. And mm. the funny thing about respect, I think I totally thought I was being respectful. I'm like, I totally respect my husband, except for the way he dresses and the way he drives. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, like, I had no concept. I thought that I was. And this is, I find this is really common with women that we don't really know what respect looks like. I remember one time I was writing a blog and I was explaining kind of like what I'd learned about respect. And I was thinking, this is so weird. Like my feminine brain does not see the world the same way that men do. Because one of the things that I have found my husband just absolutely loves and is a wonderful aphrodisiac is um, that when I'm not respectful, for example, uh, oh, and I'll tell you a quick, another embarrassing story about this was we were at a restaurant one time where... Um, and it was just like a swanky restaurant on a Saturday night. This place is just jumping. The waiters are flying. The music's playing. People are laughing at the bar. And we're just having this really nice time. And um, we're talking about his work. And then I said something critical about one of his clients. Like, And really, there was a subtext of like, you shouldn't give that client good treatment because they don't whatever, because they're not a good client. So it was like me trying to control how he runs his business, which he had for like 20 years and he was doing fine with his business. He didn't need me to tell him how to do it. And so immediately I say this and all of a sudden he gets this look on his face, like, and then the waiters stop, the music stops. Like people stop laughing at the bar. Like our good time is over. Like we're, it's about to go really bad. And I was, I was like, Oh, I, and I'm realizing like something's wrong here I go oh was that was that disrespectful just now because I didn't really want to be accountable and he was like yeah I'm like oh 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 and then I then I kind of got there I was like okay well I apologize for being disrespectful when I tried to tell you how to run your business and he's like thank you. Like I thought he was going to say, Oh no, no, you weren't. No. He's like, thank you. And then all of a sudden the music comes back and the waiters come back and the bar is thriving again. And we're, our good time is back. And it was like the whole night was saved. And I thought like, who, like women don't think of that as disrespectful. Like it's just me giving my opinion. I'm just like being the devil's advocate here. I'm just trying to, I'm being helpful to, with your business or whatever. And no, like he, he wants me above all to see him as competent, capable, and smart. And when that goes missing, um, wow, it really can be a big breakdown in the intimacy in our relationship. Yeah, that, that is pretty huge for sure. And, you know, I think a lot of times with these things is all about how you say it, right? Like you probably could have made the same, uh, you could have given the same opinion, but done it in a way where he didn't feel challenged and disrespected. And I think that's, that's a, a pretty big key that I see a lot when <laughs> I'm working with men, because I primarily work with men unless I'm coaching with Celine and then we're working with couples. But I, you know, I talk to these men and and this is where they have an opportunity to tell me all the stuff they really want to say but can't say in front of their wife, you know? And a lot of the times it's like they tell me the actual words that their wife say to them. And I'm like, whoa. Oh, <laughs> like, whoa. ooh. Ah, that was yeah. rough. And, but a lot of the times it's not, it's not that what they said is necessarily wrong. In other words, yeah. a lot of times the, the thing that they're trying to tell their husband is a valid thing to, to tell them. 
it's often the way that they say, now, sometimes it's completely invalid, but, but, but a lot of times it's just the way, it's the way they kind of like, you know, shove the dagger in there rather than doing it in a nice way. Yeah, it, it really, I think that was definitely a big problem in my marriage. I was definitely saying things really poorly, but I think in addition, I think because I was so controlling in so many areas, it really was this overarching mess- message of, like, you know, I don't really trust you. I don't really think you're capable. I don't really think you're competent. And that was kind of the opposite of what happened when we fell in love, right? I fell in love with him because it's like, this is like the smartest guy I've ever met and so handsome. What are the chances, right? Like, I, I think I'll marry him. And it, it, it's like familiarity really can breed that contempt. Um, and so I think that that culture of control was like a constant drip, drip, drip of like, I don't really respect you. Uh, and that, that really, it was costly. I was so, it was so amazing to have the insights and the realizations about that I actually want to show up as a respectful way. I want to be respectful. It feels more dignified and it feels more, um, I just feels more peaceful to actually trust my husband who really is quite capable. It's really just kind of more about my own fears showing up inappropriately. I love to the part of when we change and we see the behaviors that we no longer want to do, we'll, we'll fuck up. And I love that you owned it. And for me, it was a similar process where it's like, okay, now you're starting to see what are the ways that I'm controlling, bitching, like all of these different things. And um, then when you watch yourself doing it, well, you stop yourself midway if you can, or just as you did it. And then comes the, I have to acknowledge that I was really out of line. And that's the hardest part. Uh, But once you do that, and I like the words to I apologize so much better than I'm sorry. Because I think that when you say I'm sorry, oftentimes it's disempowering. And it's also still kind of victim mode. When we say I apologize for, I feel like I'm really taking ownership for something that I've done and I'm not proud of it, you know? Um, And that really changes how the other person hears it and receives it. And I love that that's the words that you used in that, in that context. And I love that you gave that example for anyone listening, like, you will fuck up, you will say things that you didn't mean. and, And that's just part of being human and owning, like, if you just tell you, man, I apologize. I, I didn't mean to be rude. I'm just so cranky and tired today. And I forgot to let you know about that. I mean, I still have days like that. And then, because like, great, awesome. Like we're done. We can drop this. If I was like, I'm not going to admit that I'm cranky. You know, like this is going to go on for days. That's right. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> it is it's so hard to admit it sometimes. I'll, I'll do that though. I'll go. I'll just be like, I am today. I'm bratty brat, you know, like I'm just owning it. Like, Hey, I'm just not feeling like I'm going to be positive today. So I just want to warn you. And then of course, as soon as you bust yourself, it's like, you can't hold on to it. You can't stay cranky after that. So that accountability really is powerful. I totally agree with what you just said. It's powerful on both ends too, because from the man's perspective, if the woman doesn't own it and she's just being a brat, and he's over there going, I know she's being a brat, but she's not admitting it. <laughs> then, then we start, it, it, it really pisses us off because we're like, well, I, I can very clearly see what's happening here, you know? Whereas if you simply say you're being a brat, we go, ah, well, she knows she's being a brat. I know she's being a brat. Well, we're all, we're all good with it. Like, you know? <laughs> it almost makes you want to go into like comforter after that, probably, right? right? Like, yeah, I'm yeah. just like not in a good way right now. Like, so then you're kind of like, oh, okay, come here. I'll give you a hug or something. Yeah. It's much easier for us as men to not take it personally when the woman is owning her behavior. We just go, okay, that's where she's at right now. And she's aware of it. I'm aware of it. So we'll just wait tomorrow will be a better day you know or what can i do the other thing is what can i do to shift that for you you know that's another thing like the problem is if she's not owning it then she's there's nothing you can do because it's all your fault right (laughs) Right. that's right that blame and Uh yeah whereas if she's like i'm just being a brat today i can say well is there something i can do for you what would make it better for you you know yeah totally i know i used to do a lot of like criticizing my husband for criticizing or blaming him for blaming <laughs> it's like wait a minute hold on it's the opposite of accountability but it seemed reasonable at the time <laughs> yeah so this conversation has been 
absolutely fantastic. We have a couple more questions and I've been so immersed in the conversation. I forgot to do our little special offer to our listeners. So let's do that now. This is for all of you listeners who are in a committed relationship and you feel stuck in a rut. You are going through the daily motions and you're not connecting the way you used to. And maybe you're tired of having stale mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and fun and you don't want to live a life of average. Then Kevin and I would like to invite you to join our highly sexed Power Couple Platinum program. If you give us 90 days, we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. So go to CelineRemy.com forward slash passion to learn more about our program. And we want to help you get there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've got three more questions and they're all essential. We can't skip any of them because they're too good. So... (laughs) We're just going to have to, however long it takes to get through them. (laughs) Fair. Okay. First one is, uh, you talk about the most powerful intimacy skill of all. And this really, this is, it's a perfect time to ask this question because we just talked about the aphrodisiac that works, that's the best and free. And this is kind of right along the same lines of that. Can you tell the listeners what that most powerful intimacy skill is? Sure. This is, I call it the spouse fulfilling prophecy, (laughs) which, uh, so this is, uh, the skill it's under the skill of gratitude, which I think we're all taught, you know, you should be grateful. Don't forget to be grateful. But I mean, I feel like I was never taught how magical it is, how, how much I feel like, uh, how powerful it can be to really focus on the things, the experiences I want to have instead of the ones I don't. And I'll I'll give you a little example of this. I was, um, so I was listening to years and years ago, I listened to Lee Miltier talk about her course on the power of auto-suggestion, which is when you say things to yourself, like uh, I ran a marathon or I have a successful business or things that you want to be so, even though they're not so yet. And one of her students left this class and thought, you know, I've been auto-suggesting to my husband (laughs) that he loses his temper a lot. And that's not what I want to be focusing on. That's not what the experience I want to have. So she decided she was going to start saying, that's not like you to lose your temper. So she went home, she waited for him to lose his temper and she didn't have to wait very long. And then uh, she waited, she delivered her line. She's like, that's not like you to lose your temper. And he just looked at her funny, like, what are you talking about? And their 12 year old son said, yes, it is mom. He always loses his temper. And then uh, she thought, well, I got nothing to lose here. Cause this wasn't going well for me before. I'm just going to stick with my new habit. So uh, she kept saying it whenever the time seemed right. And they were at a restaurant not too long after that. And he started to feel like, I've got a good mind to call the manager over here and tell him how long I've been waiting. And then he stopped himself and he said to her, that's not like me to lose my temper, is it? <laughs> she just about fell on the floor like, yes. oh my gosh. You know? <laughs> People live up to our expectations for them. So I heard this and I thought, well, I've been... Uh, I had been nagging my husband to get a raise, get a better job, get a promotion, make more money. And I'm such a good manifester. Like he quit his job. He was making no money because that's what I was focused on, right? Not enough money. And he heard that loud and clear. And so I I was so seething with resentment. I was so mad. And I just thought, well, I'm going to change it up. And so I decided to start saying to him, you've always been a good provider. And then just for fun, I also started calling him Mr. Moneybags. And around that time, he started this business, the one that I was criticizing at the restaurant. Yeah, but it was super successful. It was more successful than he'd ever been in his previous jobs. He'd never had a business before. Um, but all of a sudden, he became this really good provider. And so you might say it's a co- coincidence, but um, I, I had a completely different experience by choosing my spouse fulfilling prophecy and then finding evidence for it. So it's not just a bold-faced lie. It feels like it at first. But then really looking for the pieces, like he would get a check in the mail and I'd go, oh, look, Mr. Moneybags, you can take me out to sushi tonight or whatever. You know, I'd say something to just reinforce why I see him as a great provider and Mr. Moneybags. So that is one, just one example of the power of the spouse fulfilling prophecy. We have women use it for, um, like uh, one woman use it for, she, her old one was, um, you never want to spend time with me. And we came up with that it might serve her better to say, 
I know you want to spend time with me. And so when Saturday morning, they got up and um, she was thinking they were going to spend the day together. And he got a call from his friend and they were going to go surfing. And she got so upset. She's like, you never want to spend time with me. She went right back to the old one. And then uh, she walked away. And then she realized like, oh, I was going to use that new spouse. <laughs> she went back and she said, I'm really sorry I got so upset. I know you want to spend time with me. And then she left again. And a few minutes later, he comes back in the room and he goes, you know, I told my friend that I couldn't go surfing today. And she's like, you did? Why? And he goes, I want to spend time with you. <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, we have a slightly different version of that that we do um, that uh, is we call the appreciation game. But it works very much the same way. We're not so much trying to auto-suggest in a sense, but what we are doing is telling each other on a regular basis the things that we appreciate about them, which of course then reinforces those behaviors and those things. And it just... It doesn't matter how bad your day is. You basically can't be in a bad mood when your spouse says, hey, you know what I really appreciate about you is you do this thing and it, it always works out this way. And you're, it doesn't matter how just pissed off you are at the world. You're like, hey, thanks for noticing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It is the most powerful skill because it does double duty. It, it changes your heart, right? When you become grateful, but it also the other person responds to you better when you just notice like that they took out the trash, for instance, it could be something small, uh, but it's powerful. Mm -hmm. right, you want to ask the next, next question? All right. Well, actually you put it on there because you were like, I want the answer to that. Well, you, you knew it from the book because you read that chapter too. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told. Well, you know, and of course I, I, I get drawn to uh, asking questions about things that um, society tells us isn't so much true. And we know that they're true because we can observe them in the wild as being true. But all the messaging says the opposite, right? So the question is, uh, why is sex better when you're married? You have a chapter in your title that sex is better when you're married. And, you know, there's so much pressure now to be, ah, marriage, this, that, whatever. Uh, you don't need to be married and this and that. Oh, there's no, no. Or it goes so, downhill. Yeah, or oh, <laughs> as soon as you get married, the sex goes downhill, right? This is all the messaging. So from your perspective, why is sex better when you're married? Mm, well, yeah, and you guys, I'm sure, know too. But, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for I think sex is a lot like other skills. The more you practice, the better you get. And the more you practice with that same partner, like I played doubles volleyball. And I mean, I, I played with the same partner for years and we got really good because we knew what the other person was going to do. And um, and uh, I think that there's so much to be said for that with sex too. My husband's like memorized this complicated set of instructions, <laughs> which can change at any time, <laughs> by the way, right? Like, mm -hmm. And um, so he really is focused on making me happy. Um, and then I think there's just also this enormous, uh, safety and security. This is like, this is a forever relationship. Like all the commitment is there, all the, um, the, the, you know, this isn't the first time and it's not the last time. Uh, so I think there's a lot of magic about, um, uh, and, and also the things that carry over into the sex, into the bedroom are the things that, um, have maybe been happening in the relationship too, right? Like the, um, the sweet gestures of um, like him, like he just brought me this cup of tea right before our podcast and um, feeling loved, feeling treasured, feeling adored um, really contributes to it being lovemaking, right? I mean, not just sex, but it's just kind of a, um, it's a, a celebration of our love. It really is. Making love. Yeah. Making well, love. and, and yeah. you know, one of the things that I see is that this isn't always true, but it's mostly true. Which is that, you know, for a woman to really surrender in sex, like really let go and surrender, she just, she absolutely has to feel safe. And, and in the context of, uh, like you said, a forever, like this is the forever relationship. Like I can trust this person. I can completely open up and let go and go into other dimensions and not worry. Yeah, it's huge. It's a really good point. So we are coming towards our last question. But before that, where can our listeners find more about you? Where can they connect with you? Well, we have something really fun going on right now, which is we have a free Adored Wife Roadmap that you can download at lauradoyle.org. 
absolutely free. Uh, I also have a podcast so they can, uh, they can check me out on there also for free. We have a lot of free resources, uh, but that's where I would start because the adored wife roadmap has the three mistakes that, uh, women are making trying to get their husband's time, his attention, his affection, uh, and as well as the six steps to becoming an adored wife. Sounds good to me. So go to that. The link will be in the description below and then put things into practice. Because that's what makes a difference. You can't just read the book or know the thing and not do it, right? (laughs) Action is the magic word. (laughs) So Laura, tell us, what is your best sexual talent? Mm, My best sexual talent? (laughs) I think in the interest of being influenced by my husband, I've gotten really good at quickies. And I didn't used to be. I used to really have a, a... you know, like, oh, you're going too fast, you know, saying brace yourself is not good foreplay, right? And um, <laughs> and now uh, I'll just see that as just this, like, it can just be this little naughty interlude uh, in the day or whatever. Uh, so I, I think, uh, like, my receptivity, you know, like, just being available. Um, my, my husband knows I'm a sure thing <laughs> all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And he loves it. And I love it too. Uh, why would I pass up the opportunity for that pleasure, uh, to feel that connection, to feel special, to feel loved? Yeah, that's love a good it. one. Yeah. I think that's the first time we've ever gotten that answer. We asked yeah. that question to all our guests and we love to hear the responses. I think that's the first time mm-hmm. that, that anyone's given that one. That's a great answer. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Well, we could go on forever and ever, but we, we're already over our usual allotted time for this podcast. So thank you so much, Laura, for coming on the show, for sharing your wisdom with the audience. It was great to have you. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I enjoyed talking to you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, everybody, that's all the time we have for this episode, and we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>